Damn it, Nash, this is too big of a bag. I did want to I did want to discuss this off the top, so we're definitely gonna I sound like we oh my god. Wow, the order. Wait, you didn't even get you. <laughs> I want to talk about something very, very troubling that I just noticed about your tendencies here. Okay. What are we on? Episode 41 of the show, something like that? Yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah, and you're treating your housemates now like the staff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to open this up. Yeah, this is great for the audio, by the way. Nick opening a giant bag of kettle chips right in front of the mic. This is actually, why am I opening them? I can't eat them on mic. Yeah, no. That's why this is a bad idea. I should have gotten cookies. Yeah. Okay. It's fitting for the movie we're talking about today, I guess, but whatever. Anyway, the, the, the point is... Uh, the, listen to this. The point is our friend Nash... Very nice. He did get you something carbonated. You yeah. did ask for that. Yeah, this is good. This is good knowledge of me. Our good buddy Nash uh, was headed to, I guess, CVS or wherever he went to. And Local he, Bodega uh, Verde Fresh. Nick barked his orders at him as he was headed down the stairs. Uh, I politely I had declined. A, I had a host you here. Yeah, I, had, I politely declined. Then Nick couldn't even be bothered to go to the door to get to the food. I had to retrieve it for him. He did give me a thanks, which is progress, I guess. Um, you had a beef with the order, though. This is just the... This is how showbiz works. Um, yeah, I was envisioning a small bag of kettle chips, and this is more of like a medium-sized bag. Um, That's and, good. He got you more value. Yeah, but like, it's a medium-sized bag, but I don't know how to not eat all of them in one sitting because it's not like a, a, officially a large-sized bag. We were, we were just talking about our summer bodies, too. It's not great. <laughs> also, and liquid death is canned water, but instead I'm drinking Sparkling Ice Classic Lemonade, which is fine. Um, I'd love to be sponsored by Liquid Death, but... So who are we expensing this to? Um, oh, I <laughs> I have your credit card number. <laughs> my credit card number? Yeah. Fun yeah. fact, I just lost my credit card a couple weeks ago. Really? But I got a new one. So. Ooh, where'd you lose it? Um, Somewhere in an Uber. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Anyway. I've never, never lost mine. Never. Never. Lost my ID once. Left it at um that place that was on the Upper East Side, like that roadhouse place. I forget what it was. The place? Yeah. The roadhouse place. Yeah, I forget what it was called. It's like Big Jack's. Oh, the barbecue Uncle Dukes. Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- J- John, J- Uncle Dukes? Big Dukes. Sure. Jack Dukes. Whatever. Dukes. No one, no one listening cares. <laughs> uh been a while well everybody check their belongings and once you have everything get seated and get ready for the cinema chain gang podcast i like that yeah not bad that's nick ricardo yeah can you give us one more ruffle the chips for us please god i'm gonna eat one nick that's nick ricardo on kettle i'm andrew jay on the mic uh we have reached the latest chain in our adventure um starting with andy sandberg who we had in grown-ups 2 which of course has caused the most discourse in the history of Cinema Chain Gang. You mean Discord co- or Discourse? Discourse. Okay. Yeah. And Discord, I think, between us. Yeah. Well, no, I think we ended up actually on the same page. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I thought we were doing a You bit, just tried though. to turn it into a thesis statement about, like... Uh, I, I I stand by it, but... The, the, okay. the history of comedy, and I was just like, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like the deer pissing in Adam's face. I but. do think it was maybe one of my strongest analyses. <laughs> you really brought it, so much so that... It almost seemed like you hadn't watched the movie before <laughs> in comparison. Um, but we got Andy Samberg from Grown Ups 2. We are now going to be talking today about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, the 2009 animated film from Sony Pictures Animation. We are going to take one of the voice actors in that film, James Kahn, the late great James Kahn, who makes a very small appearance in the movie we're going to review next time out, 1941, uh, the Steven Spielberg war comedy that has the unfortunate... A displeasure, I guess, or unfortunate circumstances of being the movie that was sandwiched in between the run of Jaws, Close Encounter of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and E.T. Right in the middle of that, 1941. Oh, God. I didn't realize that was <laughs> But we'll talk a lot more about that next week. And of course... Eesh, what happened? <laughs> the, the, the actress we grabbed from that is a big character in the movie Jaws and is a big character in that movie, Lorraine Gary. Yes, indeed. So we will talk about that next week. Um... But like I said, yeah, this is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs week. Um, yeah. Now, you've seen Cloudy before. Yes. This. Yet another, I have not. It's yet another movie that we're... I don't think we've reviewed a movie this year until next week when we get to 1941 that I have not seen prior. We've reviewed like two movies this year, though, right? Well, like six. But, really? Yeah. Wait. Oh, my God. Aviator. 
two towers. Oh my god! Oh my god! I swear to God, I thought Kronos was the first. Wow, I thought we were in like February what? for a it's minute. May. That was weird. You okay? I thought we were in February. Oh my god! You know why? Why? <laughs> it should be good. You know why? Because <laughs> I thought this was our second episode of the year, but this is the second episode since I lost my job, which is the second episode of my new year. <laughs> that, that so kinda, that's why. <laughs> time kind of moves a little differently for you these days. Uh, how you doing? You doing all right? Oh, so good. Um, podcasting is not my full-time job. Um, well, I guess it's always my full-time job, but now, now this is my full-time job. <laughs> this podcast specifically, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing so good. I just have all the time in the world to watch Steven Spielberg movies now. <laughs> that actually sounds like a pretty good gig. If I could do it's that, not bad. And I've cho- chosen to watch 1941 each time. Um, <laughs> no, I had not seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I've, mm, I've thought about whether I want to bring this up or not, because I kind of feel out of kindness to you. I shouldn't bring this up, because um, you've had to deal with similar um, anecdotes a lot. But I have to. Let's get out of the way now. My main connection to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is a joke and Kevin can wait. Um, so just FYI, that that's hanging there. <laughs> how <laughs> i mean we talked about him last week a lot i'm sorry um, did you just ask how last week last episode which was like an attorney ago but did you did you ask how did you want me to explain further you might as well all right let's get out of the way now you know when you i will say off. i will say tell me this doesn't sound the most like what i would do kevin james's brother in real life and in the show he's working at a car dealership in an episode kevin's brother is like uh comes in and they're there there's they have one car in the lot that they can't sell and it's a cloudy with a chance of meatballs movie promo car so the whole car is wrapped in a graphic of cloudy with a chance of meatballs and kevin's like yeah they, it's like the white whale they can't sell it they can't get it off the lot and kevin's brother's like i desperately want that car and the whole episode he's trying to like haggle um and they're like no we don't we don't care and then he ultimately just like pays full price for the car it's, it's an old enough reference that i guess it works it, you mean, know it's yeah, it was a little odd because, like, the show never did anything else like that before. Like, no other random pop culture reference. Um, yeah. But it was dated enough that it worked, but I just, like, didn't expect it from that show. But hands down, I would drive a cloudy with a chance of meatballs car. It's, like, it's like so random that it actually comes back around to being funny again. Yeah, it, it is funny. I, it's, like, it actually was just, like, I was confused by the joke being in that show. Like, it, it kind of, I, like, second-guessed the funniness of it, um, which I'll just say goes a lot into what I was watching. Yeah, I was going to say, you might want to just transition into the the sitcom. I'm no professional segwayer here, but I kind of am. Similar, I think some jokes in comedy only land when you're expecting them to come from like the vehicle that you're watching. What I've been watching, next segment, um, Fool's Paradise, the Charlie Day movie, which has been like absolutely shit canned yeah i think at last check it was 20 on rotten tomatoes uh last i checked it was down to 15 oh okay (laughs) um and i think people just didn't expect the right comedy from it i think it's perfectly passable and i think that the uh it, it was just like a misunderstanding of the you know the comedy that audiences should expect or something like that well, that's a bold way to start. We're down to four, yeah. We're down to fourteen, by the way. So uh, it's de- no, this doesn't make it. So Fool's Paradise is Charlie Day's, I believe, directorial debut. He wrote and directed it. Most of it was shot in like twenty eighteen, and then there were like reshoots involved. He plays. It's like an homage to silent film stars, um, kind of because he plays like um, uh, mute. And like, they never really define it, but basically just like a dumb mute man. And he's like swept up in the Hollywood system. It's a satire of Hollywood. He becomes like an actor um, and he has no idea what he's doing, but he just like follows everybody's direction. And he has a lot of like, you know, physical bits the way that like Chaplin or somebody would. Um, And the movie was like, I, I don't, I don't really get why the movie was like. Hated hated the the main criticism was that like yes it was charming but there were just not enough jokes in the movie which i kind of get but also the movies that influenced him to make that movie that he's said um i went and watched those and like there it 
they're not impressive as far as delivery of joke either, in my opinion. So I think people just like, I think it's more of an indictment of like what we expect as far as comedies as an audience now. It's all visual, physical humor, and it's not supposed to be like riotously funny, I don't think. I think it's supposed to be like a charming story the way that, like I said, like if like Woody Allen made it 20 years ago, people would be like, this is great. So you think there is a potential for appraisal and re retrospective like praise. i i think it'll be much more well liked i've not seen it so i cannot comment i'm not saying it's fantastic but um i thought it was really strong and i thought it was like unfair of the the just the criticism that it got he said he was influenced a lot by being there which is like a hal ashby movie um which is like a s- similar plot and satire but much more like restrained in humor i guess and then like the jerk with steve martin which i don't know i'm not impressed by the jerk <laughs> um i saw it once a long time ago and i think i kind of agree yeah i, think it, I thought it was funny but i was not like blown away by mm-hmm. it and that's like what this movie was like i also do think that he apparently like showed charlie day showed a cut of the movie um to guillermo guillermo, guillermo. del toro uh, Star, to Jimmy, Star of Barry. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say to Jimmy Kimmel's Guillermo, um, and Guillermo gave him notes, and he went back and added like twenty-seven pages of script into the movie. He fleshed out Ken Jeong's character um, and created just like much more of a movie. So this hasn't come out. This was filmed pre-pandemic, and it didn't come out until after. Um, I would say Ken Jeong's a weak spot because personally, I'm just not a Ken Jeong guy. Yeah, there were a lot of people specifically targeting him in the okay. brief reviews that i read so maybe okay. that had like yeah. a, maybe they found him so insufferable that it kind of tanked the rest of it for and it, he wasn't insufferable but it was it was flat and i was just and it, i'm not surprised because it seems that he didn't have as big of a role originally yeah and then they shot the movie and then he's like well i have to expand this character i would this is my total guess i would think that like if they were going to expand that character so much they wouldn't have cast him they needed somebody who like would bring more depth and a different characterization to it. Um, but that being said, I thought it was like really refreshing that that kind of like comedy was made. But And Charlie Day's like physical humor is pretty on point. At which, which is a known commodity. You actually just started It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I talked about that I was binging like a year ago and mm-hmm. still have not really made progress on because yeah. there's so many other things to watch. Yeah, but I mean... He, his physical comedy is such a big part of what makes the, the Charlie Kelly character work so well. Yeah, sure. I'm early into it still, but I guess I could see that. Um, the I don't know. There's something. It's there's like a different. He's not like chaotically physical in this though. It's more like smooth Chaplin physicality and also some like subtle stuff. I think he's strong enough to. I, I think they could have done more of it and leaned in even more to like the homage to silent film that it was. But some people just it got a lot of hate for like oh it's such a tired satire of Hollywood like it's not saying anything new. But it's like, yeah, but every yeah, but every satire of Hollywood, it's the same. I don't know. I don't think they're... I, I, I will I'll say What a few did Hell things. Caesar bring? I mean, it probably more, but... I, I'll say a few things. Um, no. First of all, I was, I was... The binary nature of Rotten Tomatoes makes things very difficult to be like, oh, this has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, but do people really hate it? Like, where a lot of mixed reviews... But then I went to Metacritic, and it has a 27 on Metacritic, which is atrocious. That's like an average rating of 2.7 out of 10. Hmm. So the hatred is real. It's not just like, uh, oh, this is getting like a lot of two and a half out of five stars. It's a lot of ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Um, so that point went out the window as I tried to defend it. I will say that, and I'm not saying that this has influenced your review at, at all, but looking at the cast list, they could not have handpicked a better cast for you. For me? <laughs> yes. Between Charlie Day, which is okay, whatever. But of course, sure. the, the late, great Ray Liotta mm-hmm. in one of his final ro- roles. Edie Falco, who of course is a... An iconic presence on one of your favorite shows of all time. Nurse, Nurse Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> Knew that was coming. I was trying to get ahead of that. I mean, Jason Sudeikis, Jason Bateman. Yeah. Uh, I will say they all, basically all of them, they're, they're like one or two scenes. Like they're, it's it's Ken and Charlie, the whole movie. Um, and the others are, you know, it even feels more like favors he called in or something. Um, but yeah. He just seems like a likable guy that people want to work with though too. So I got Yeah, totally no, yeah. Do, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's totally. almost like uh, it's almost like we were talking about with Sandler last episode where he 
it's not like him feeding his friends or anything like that, but people just like working with him and being around him. So they'll yeah. come up and do a quick bit and not really care about the quality yeah, totally. of the product. So, Although this sounds more ambitious than anything we've talked about in a <laughs> In Sandler's, yeah. And actually, Bateman has like, he had an oddly small part in the movie, kind of. And um, Charlie Day said in an, in an interview is because he um, mentioned to Bateman, like, oh, I'm shooting with Sudeikis tomorrow. And Bateman's like, oh man, I, I wish I was there. He's like, all right, just come down to the set. I'll, I'll write something for you. And it totally works, but. I didn't even consider that's a horrible bosses reunion. Yeah, Duh. yeah. Yeah, which I think for me is probably Charlie Day's other best. Well, I mean, not, not other, because I haven't seen this movie, but his that's probably his best movie role. Do you have plans to see Fool's Paradise at any point? I think, I think I will see it because of the discussion I've had with you. I, I really wasn't on my radar before last week. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was on my... I'm I'm not even adding any Leo the bias to this, but it was on my radar since... Because it was one of his last four movies. But I, mean, I have nothing... I have no... Uh, he, was, he was great, solid so, in it, but so that's not added So what's left besides... So it was Cocaine Bear, it was this. This. There's a movie called um, April something 1992. I forget the... It's a date. Uh, that's coming out. I don't know when. It, I don't think it's been announced. And then he was filming one called Dangerous Waters, and it hasn't been like said, you know, if he finishes filming or not. So he has one or two left. Okay. All right. Well, so in response to your "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" cast member getting a lot of headlines for a movie that came out recently, I'm. It's going to be my turn now because I want to talk about BlackBerry. Glenn um, Howerton's tanked movie absolute failure yeah, absolute failure if we're gonna do the rotten tomatoes game we're gonna look this one up right now and uh it's doing i would say sizably better than uh like like, like a good bit better than fool's paradise it's gonna be tough to be in the group chat uh with all of them right now black blackberry currently has a 98 percent on rotten tomatoes which is <sighs> incredibly impressive again it's a binary nature of rotten tomatoes did you like it did you not and the movie itself which is about the development of the BlackBerry and the rise and fall of that company and how they completely revolutionized the cell phone and then got completely obliterated by the smartphone when it came by and all the like controversial things and unethical things that happened at BlackBerry while this was all going on. The movie is written and directed by Matt Johnson, who also plays a, a key role in the film. Uh, Jay Baruchel is Mike Lazaridis who was the creator of the tech of BlackBerry. He is like the founder of this like uh, Canadian company who is made up of a bunch of like nerds and geeks and stuff like that who are, they're, they're all smart, but they have no idea how to sell themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where Glenn Howerton character comes in, Jim Balsili, who is, uh, he gets fired from his job because he's kind of an asshole. Um, but he's an asshole who's like kind of a smart talker. You know what I mean? He's a salesman, kind of in the Justin Timberlake uh, Sean Parker kind of way from Social Network. Right. Uh, although this is a lot more explosive and yelly a performance. Uh, but basically he wills his way into getting Mike and the rest of the crew organized and making BlackBerry this huge thing. And it chronicles from mid-90s to late 2000s when Steve Jobs stepped up on that stage and introduced the iPhone and that was kind of it for BlackBerry. Um, the movie... and, the and the whole thing is it's it's a... It's seriously put forth, right? Like, I when I first saw the trailer, I assumed that it was like they were chronicle, chronicling the rise and fall of BlackBerry as a parody, but they're not. It, no, this was like a straightforward. It's a legitimate. It's it's not as good as Social Network, but it's the same style. Okay, you know what I mean. It is a funny movie too, though. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of comedy in it, but it's not comedy that's like farcical. You know what I mean? It's it's woven perfectly into the context of what's happening. Um, I found this a very entertaining film. Uh, very, very, very entertaining look at the specifics of what happened with this company. Although, I mean, I'm sure per people involved insist that a lot of it was fictionalized. Um, but even if it wasn't, like the developments of how this company becomes something completely different than it was and how Jay Baruchel's character changes with success and how he's corrupted by the idea of consumerism and economic wealth and it kind of corrupts his principles as a developer of technology and the way of the future and American culture and stuff like that. And and like Glenn Howerton's character is kind of like the devil on his shoulder a lot of the times. He's like willing to push him to get him to where he needs to be in terms of 
developing wealth and greed and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of them were great in the film. Jay Baruchel, it's probably his best dramatic performance ever. Um, and Glenn Howerton, like you can see shades of this in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but he 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 really feels unrecognizable here. Um, and like I said, it is such an energetic performance, but it has layers to it too. Like the last 20 minutes or so, both of them find different layers in the notes that they've been playing for the entire film. Hmm. And I thought it added so much. I think the last few movie minutes of this movie really stick it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would very much recommend it. It has great music. It's really interestingly directed. Uh, Matt Johnson, like I said, he plays one of Mike's best friends in the film, but he also co-wrote the film, which is based off of a novel, but like very loosely. And then he directed the film. And the way he directs the film, it almost feels like documentary style, like fly on the wall. The way it's shot with handheld cameras, it's very, very similar to how Succession. Is okay, shot. I was gonna ask. Yeah, very similar. A lot of, lot of like quick zooms to try to capture it. Right. It, it's, it's Office Parks and Rec Succession style of like you're there in the room with them, and that just makes it for, feel more dynamic and exciting when things start to trend upward and trend downward. Uh, dialogue and like pacing wise, is it like Succession too? That kind of. Yeah, it's not as like clever as Succession and Social no. Network. Okay. Um, but like the way that they talk to each other is very abrasive. Like the succession right. characters talk to each other. It's yeah. clear that that was an influence, you know? Uh, I very much want to see it. It is very, very good. It is definitely one of my top five so far this year. Do you think it'll expand? Cause the reason I haven't seen it yet is cause it's not at my Regal and I'm a Regal Unlimited member. I think it's only playing at one theater right now in the city. Yeah. Is it going to um, expand? And it was an absolutely packed house the night I went on a Saturday night. Really? I, I think so. I, I don't know how far, but I think definitely enough that it'll get to limited release at least, which means that at least one Regal will have it. That's it. Felt like it came out of nowhere or something. I don't. I don't know. It wasn't. It I saw pre- a trailer the day before it came out, and that's it. It premiered at the Berlin Film Festival. It also, I believe, screened at South by Southwest Festival as well. Yeah, I, I didn't really know about it until February or so, and I was like, "Oh, this looks interesting." Is and I kind of had the same thought as you. It's like, is this going to be gimmicky? Is this a comedy? Is it a parody of Social Network esque films? Because yeah. who really thinks about the BlackBerry anymore? Uh, and no, it's it's straightforward, and it really sells the idea of how important the BlackBerry was um, to the development of where we are now. You know what I mean? It pushed people like Steve Jobs to be like, "Okay, we need to figure out how we're going to top this." And then they kind of had the trump card with the iPhone that, as you'll see in the movie, BlackBerry tries to replicate but completely kind of sells their soul to f- just to fumble it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting story. Um, I think I'm going to see it at that dope-looking Regal that we saw on Steak Night. You know that one that we passed? Yeah. It's playing there. Um, with the with the bar upstairs and yeah. everything like that? Yeah. Um, that like a nightclub. Yeah, well... Gonna be watching a movie about Blackberry at a nightclub. I uh, I also feel like I, I love like corporate stories like that. I guess just from watching Succession, I feel like we're in a really good time to do like a, a, at least a handful more of those. I'd be open to it. Um, there there was a movie called there was gonna be a movie. It was on like the blacklist back in like twenty like fifteen or something about New Coke and like the failed launch of that product. It was going to be written by, um, I think, by the, uh, the writers of like uh, Deadpool, and uh, I still I'm still waiting for that to come out. I think it would do so well. So it was it, ri- it was going to be rewritten by them, or it was written by them, and but it, and it never got made. I think it was in the process of being produced, but yeah, uh, Rhett Reese and whatever Warnick is what their names are. I think right. Yeah, and they wrote um, something else as well, but I am blanking on what it was. Yeah. They're kind of in franchise land right now. Yeah, but that know. that too was based on a book. Um, the book is from the '80s, but like it's like a fascinating story about like a complete like it's a like fumble. Yeah, so fumble's thumb, a sports term. Thumbs up for uh, yeah, I get it. Thumbs up for both of our "It's Always Sunny" adjacent recommendations. Uh, yeah. Although, I just although I, the the public feels differently about the two films. <laughs> I'm not saying expect the best movie ever, but I think it was nice and refreshing. And I think that people who don't like it are are the problem. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about our main review today. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the 2009 animated film directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Are those names that mean anything to you? I'm just, I'm, I'm oh, genuinely asking. Yeah. Um, 
for those of you who don't know who that is, they wrote and directed this film. This was their first like big shot feature film wise. They developed a animated series called Clone High, which is a big cult following that actually is re- coming back for a reboot very yeah. soon. Um, Bill Arts. But after Clive of the Chance of Meatballs' success, they went on to make 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street and the Lego movie, which are, I think, if you were to pick like the top 10 comedies of the 2010s, I would have probably all three of those on there somewhere. I don't know what order, mm-hmm. but they they are they are comedic auteurs. They are so smart at making these movies that have like mile a minute jokes and the success rate is like 80 to 90% and... They also have a lot of heart, and they're very memorable and big crowd pleasers. And then I, I'm not even mentioning the films that they've produced and helped develop, which uh, the the other big one was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is one of the most beloved comic book movies and animated movies maybe of all time, uh, and has a sequel fast approaching in a couple of weeks. Um, but we're not here to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We're talk- here to talk about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is the adaptation of the Judy and Ron Barrett 1970s children's book, which is about... God, I did not realize that book is from the 70s. It's an old one. It's an old one, and it's a short one. I believe it's only like 20 pages or something like that. Mm-hmm. So obviously when... I remember vaguely back in 2009 when they announced that this movie was coming out, there was there was general skepticism about the idea of taking something so short and stretching it to an hour 40-minute movie like this is. You were halfway through the book in 2009, right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I do one page a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tuck it away. I read one page on January 1st and then I tuck it and away. And then you tuck it back. Yeah, you're still digesting it. You know, oh, it's nice. a lot to take in. Um, oh, no pun intended. The movie was released in September of 2009. Uh, $100 million budget. It made about $240 million worldwide, which is not spectacular. Like we kind of talked about the Madagascar movies and how much money those made for the animated landscape. Um, mm-hmm. th- this was a much more modest hit, but also the movie came out in September and didn't have the expectations of like a Madagascar or like the DreamWorks name recognition behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was enough to get a sequel greenlit in 2013 where Lord and Miller developed the story but didn't do much else. Um, that movie is solid, but it is not as good as this one. Um, the film stars Bill Hader, uh, who it, from watching Barry, it becomes very difficult for me to remember that Bill Hader is primarily an SNL <laughs> yeah. comedian with like a lot of credits in big comedy movies uh he's the voice of flint lockwood who is this unsuccessful young inventor who lives in swallow falls which is the name of the island in the atlantic ocean where nobody visits it's very remote very ignored by the general public of the world uh they basically only have access culinary wise to sardines and their entire economy is based on sardines um flint's dad played by james Kahn uh runs a sardine shop he wants flint to give up the inventing life and go work with him he's not like a jerk about it but he's very he is a little not aggressive about it but he he certainly is pushing the idea of him coming to work with him because i mean they lost that he lost his mom too and everything and he wants him around more uh but flint determined to basically change the way that the entire town operates creates this uh machine which he calls the flurzmer which is one of the <laughs> it's an acronym Say that again. Flurismer. One more time. Flurismer. I don't think the mic got it one more time. That's enough. Yeah. They, well, they say it four or five times straight in the movie. Yeah. Um, he creates this device that takes water, manipulates it, and turns it into whatever food you want. Uh, it doesn't work, and then it does work. And soon enough, food is raining from the sky, all different kinds of food. It attracts the attention of the town, um, including the mayor, uh, who starts as a dementia... Uh, diminutive guy played by bruce campbell and then slowly but surely grows in size as the movie goes along and it also attracts the attention of the national news sam sparks who's this weather intern who comes in from new york city and gets the big break and is able to cover this for her weather station uh she is voiced by anna faris uh other voices in the movie neil patrick harris plays his uh somewhat talking monkey steve uh, basically, he has a thought translator on him, and he just thinks hungry and Steve, and yeah, over and over again. It's a bit for me that does not get old at any point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I saw a piece of trivia that was like Neil Patrick Harris was approached to be somebody else, but he chose that character because he thought it would be more of a challenge. And I was just kind of confused. he was, was going to be Flint. So what was the challenge? 
I just think it was. I think I think he thought it was amusing. And I'm okay. glad he did it because I think they both fit the. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Of, yeah, it was a. Uh, the reason we're watching this movie is Andy Samberg. He plays Baby Brent McHale. He was the mascot of a sardines company uh, when he was a baby, uh, and in his diapers. Uh, it's basically the movie dares to ask what would happen if the Gerber baby became a Hugh Hefner esque figure in, <laughs> in in his local life. Um, and then he sees his life kind of change when Flint invents this food creating machine. Uh, Mr. T plays Officer Earl, uh, who was like a highly energetic, almost coked up um, cop who is always suspicious of everything Flint's doing. Um, and then a couple other things. Al Roker is the anchorman at the weather station. Patrick Patrickson, uh, <laughs> waiting for Sam Sparks back on the mainland. And Benjamin Bratt voices Manny, which is uh sam's cameraman uh that has more to him than meets the eye uh he's very not talkative for most of the movie and in the last 30 minutes we find out he can do things that make him maybe the most hyper competent film person in the entire film um that's a long-winded setup but there's a lot of cast members that i wanted to get to there's a lot of characters i think all of them are notable and generally interesting standouts in the entire landscape of the film as you can see they were able to take the 15 pages and develop it a lot more. The question is, do you think the returns were enough to justify this movie's existence? Slash, did you find it funny enough? Did you think the story was good? What did you think of this movie? Uh, I did. I went in not knowing, not remembering anything about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, so I was... I don't love when plots of short stories are expanded. I think there's a really fine line to like get it right. Um, but I thought that separating, you know, this isn't <laughs> separating like the, the idea of like, was it a faithful adaptation or, or something like that, which you, you can't, you can't really apply to like children's books of that sort anyway, I guess. Um, I think it was worth it. Yeah. It was like really, it was great. Yeah. But quality wise, that's, if it's, if, if a comedy is just going to like be that effective quality, quality wise, then you know, I think that trumps any, like, um, you know, closeness or not to the book. Yeah. I think the movie is just, they had they had a good idea of how to take this concept and just inject it with a lot of energy and clever, like, one-liners and gags and stuff like that. The movie starts with, they're, they're running through the credits and they're like, Sony Pictures presents a film by a lot of people, was a big text at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um and that was, you know, that kind of sets the tone right there of the, the kind of yeah. jokes you're going to get. They're, they're going to be fast. Not every single one is going to hit, but a lot of them are going to hit. And the movie really rewards you watching it two to three times to see things that you may not have caught, vis both visually yeah. and dialogue-wise. Um, and that, you know what? That, that kind of effort is sorely lacking in a lot of other comedies. Uh, we've talked about a lot of comedies on this show that keeping off the Joneses, that kind of settle, you know? And I, I, I've, I'm I, afraid that they coast on the charm of their stars and they don't actually have any kind of ingenuity and they're lacking in the fun and the and the wit. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's also just why Lord and Miller, I think, have such a successful track record is because they don't slack on pacing, you know, that many yes. jokes and stuff. And you, I don't really know, I don't, I don't know if it's always going to be this way, but you have to do that now. Like, like I said before, I was like, went back and was like watching, like even like the jerk with Steve Martin or something like older comedies that it's much more, there's much more breathing room between jokes and stuff like that. And now you can't, you, you really can't have that. Cause if you, it just comes off as unfunny. That's just not what our, our rhythms are anymore. Uh, and they're, like you said, even just visual jokes, there's so many things in like a given, like, 30 second time frame yeah the way that like 30 rock would do with the show you that, know what i mean that's what i was gonna yeah. say like you can even translate that to modern tv like mm -hmm. parks of rack and 30 rock and unbreakable kimmy schmidt and shows yeah. like that are great examples of that kind of pacing whereas yeah. we you go back and watch the sitcoms from the 50s to 50s to 70s it's much more slower pace one because they're pausing for the laughs and two because what they're doing they're, they're, they were limited by what they could do with the medium. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and in the case of this, it's, it's kind of crazy that like, you know, Lord and Miller, 
not that their movies only appeal to kids by any means, but that they're working for so long in, in kids' movies and like I, th- I think ad- adult adult not adult film but ad- but adult oriented films could really use that same pacing like it really needed them and it still does I think you know yeah um, like I don't I think I don't think Todd Phillips is quite on that level as far as pacing no, goes not. you know like yeah yeah I would say Adam McKay is one who I think sure displays. Yeah moments of that but his comedy isn't as consistent as lord of miller and he's doing yeah and, and his is um much it's a different vibe too now it's more now it is yeah it's completely yeah. completely different vibe now but I oh, yeah but, but oh yeah before man talladega set brothers well, anchorman was a realistic look at <laughs> now i'm thinking about if adam mckay went back and made all of his movies like <laughs> satirical like deep looks at the things they're about like old school is a, a cutting analysis of frat culture and stuff like that speaking of adam mckay and, and again i don't want to bring the show up again but succession has that rhythm too yeah. even though it has obviously a lot of darker dramatic elements it also has that mile a minute yeah. like oh my god i have to listen to this twice just to get every single line out of it um but lord and miller just they they have such a good sense of comedic timing they clearly have storyboarded everything to the T. It just feels so meticulously planned and just like an execution of a great plan. Yeah. Over and over again. Now, Cloudy's like success rate is actually probably on the lower end for their movies too. I think they get better and better. Like the Lego movie is their masterpiece when it comes to this because the, the Lego movie's success rate is unbelievable and the jokes are even faster and the visual movement is even better. It, it, I could say enough about that film as well. 2122 Jump Street, same thing. It's really hard to do that in live action, but it almost feels like an animated movie in live action form in terms of its pacing and, and its rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, going back to this movie, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say we can get into some of our favorite jokes later, but th- th- we both found the film funny. Yeah. And also, I mean, and this has been like said so much, uh, but not just with Lord and Miller, but uh, with... Um, a lot of other kids content out there like it also works because it it is appealing some of those jokes are are appealing to adults not in not in just like you know it's not that the the humor's risque but just you know smarter like being able to pick up on like more subversive like i remember like laughing out loud but um forget who it was somebody's like face was pushed out onto like the toy train tracks and it's just really a play on like the oldest gag of like being tied to Oh yeah, train tracks, right? Which like a kid is not going to pick up on, in some sense, right? But it's not like pandering either. You know what I mean? It treats yeah. everybody intelligently in the same way. That 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 was like some of the criticisms I had. Not to bring out a random movie, but like the recent Super Mario Brothers movie that came out, mm-hmm. which I thought was all right. Um, but their way of appealing to adults was like, first of all, needle drops of songs that kids have no idea what they are, right? And just also like innuendos you know they're like oh the kids don't get it because it's kind of like risque mm-hmm. when in reality like that's just kind of dumb yeah yeah a lot of the time yeah i mean you can, you can do it watching something like cloudy with a chance you can see like the the actual enjoyment you can sense the actual enjoyment lord miller had yeah in the room as opposed to when you watch some movies and shows it's it's what will kids think are are funny you know i mean like the entirety of like nickelodeon in the 90s or nickelodeon even now is like written to be like what will kids find funny and and you can feel that disconnect between like the creator or or the writer of it and like what the what the final product is but with their movies it's like oh they're putting in like jokes that they're proud of or that like you know yeah they're having fun with totally um, and I think the movie also, that's half the battle. The other half is to be like, you have to find that the story has real stakes emotionally and dramatically. And I think the movie kind of sells both really well. I really, really did invest in the relationship between Flint and his dad. Uh, we've seen this like cliche before where the, obviously the, the mom is gone and the dad doesn't understand, uh, the son. There are movies like, uh, Chicken Little, for example, that does that, that, uh, which it's one's re- Chicken Little? Which one's Chicken Run? Chicken Run is the one where they run, and Chicken Little is the one where he's small. Okay, yeah. great. That didn't help. <laughs> Chicken Little is the one where the sky is falling. Okay. Uh, was, was I thought that would help, but what, that didn't help either. What explanation would help? <laughs> I don't know it now that I think about it. I don't know. Okay, well, ch- there there are a lot of animated which movies. Which one has the glasses? Uh, Chicken Little. Okay. But Chicken Run also has characters that have glasses on it. But the, the chicken glasses. didn't. 
There are multiple chickens in Chicken oh, Run. God. Okay. I, I get it. I, I know which one. Okay. Yes. The Disney one. Uh, the not claymation one. The CGI animated one. Right. Sure. Okay. Anyway, that's just one example of all the animated movies that have tried to do this before, and it just feels like hackneyed and kind of boring and whatever. I thought the way that they handled it here was actually very smart, whereas nobody's aggressive towards each other. They're just clearly like unstated, unspoken frustrations on both ends, which I think is really realistic between especially father and son relationships for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's Nobody outright is like, you're such a disappointment to me, or like, I wish you were never my dad. No one ever says anything like that. Right. It just... It just feels like that they're not on the same page for a long time in the movie, even if they really love each other very much. Um, and I, I think that the way that they bring that all back around where his father finally empowers him to save the town and really lean into the things that he's good at. Obviously, the the inventing and the scientific ingenuity. It, it was it was touching. I think they, I think they really handled that well. Um, and dramatically, the stakes of the entire world might become like a giant buffet if you do not stop this like right now is a pretty good reason to up the stakes and i mean i, I don't think there's any danger that anybody important is going to die or anything like that but it's like oh uh, shit is real right now like you need to fix this you got you messed up pretty bad yeah and it makes the characters directly redeem themselves for that specifically flint uh but also like a little bit sam too she kind of profited off of this but she at least understands earlier than him it's time to kind of stop things but the mayor won't have it yeah i think uh to the point that you, you mentioned too about like that just the relationship with the dad not being so spelled out like you said like in you know d- direct like dialogue you would think i you wouldn't think that like an animated movie is like capable of subtlety in that way but there's no reason it can't be and it's just like another thing that lord miller i think yeah they understand storytelling it's not like as deep as some of the best animated movies but right, but, it, but but it is a step above the average stuff like again i'm just bringing up madagascar because that's the primary other animated movie that we've talked about but it, madagascar had a father and son relationship in it i should have just brought that up before we got into the whole chicken debacle <laughs> they, that had a two a father and son not on the same page and it, it just didn't it just was more obvious than this one, I think. Um, which one's Madagascar? Which one's Zookeeper? <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that threw me off. Oh, well, it shouldn't. Um, are you aware, by the way, um, that Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs had a different title in some other countries, as movies often do? Uh, I, I actually love this game. Yeah. I did not know this, but I want to hear these. In Turkey, it was called It's Raining Kofta. Uh, and in Israel, it was called It's Raining Falafel. <laughs> Just like different food. Like, they don't have I, meatballs, I guess. In I, That's what's interesting to me. Yeah, it's like, did, did they reanimate it? <laughs> I guess not. Well, but but it is, you know, there's a variety of foods, I guess, in the movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Also weird, there was a sequel to the book um, called Pickles to Pittsburgh. And I think that is like a credited book in the sequel, Cloudy with a chance too. Uh, but just interesting that they didn't go with that as a title. The second one is a, it's a fun concept. It's basically all the food that they've taken. Um, I mean, you find out at the end of this one that the food not only is falling from the sky, it has now become sentient, which I don't know why. I don't know how. I forget the <laughs> explanation for that. But basically the idea is that they go to this island where all the leftovers are and the food has become like their own jungle. You know what I mean? So like, they they befriend like a little leek who is kind of like their own little version of a dog and there's like uh strawberries that are like hippos and stuff like that you know what i mean like you understand the concept right yeah yeah um, as difficult as it is to yeah. understand. not not as again not as like overly clever as the setup for this film but it's still a good watch like if we got if we got that one on the second one i would still give it, i would if we got the second one on our chain i would still give it a thumbs up Right. This is just two thumbs up for me. I think this movie is really, really strong. I think it's one of the better movies we've reviewed. Uh, I am a little biased because I have seen it a few times before we even got to this point, but it held up well on the rewatch. Yeah, you know, one thing I, I was confused by, I always thought the kid's name was Chance because I was getting confused with Sonny with a Chance in which the kid's name is Sonny, which is its own thing that I've never seen. Yeah, the the Disney Channel show? Yes. Right. There's no, there's no one... Name Chance in that show, though. I don't understand. But just, there's just somebody named Sonny, I think. Yes. Yeah. Oh, instead and of Cloudy. Instead of Cloudy. I see. Yeah. I see. So it's it's 
type of weather outside, and then well, because yeah, so they're both plays on weather. I don't need to tell you this. You work in news. Yeah, they're both plays on weather. Yeah, I get you. I totally. Yeah. Yes. You know when the last time New York City? This is an actual question. You're gonna have to blow up your knowledge for when the last time New York City had a chance of meatballs. Uh, when was the when was the great uh, when was the Soprano series finale? <laughs> <laughs> when was the Lady in the Tramp remake released on Disney Plus? Twenty nineteen. Um, yeah, I just uh, talk about some of the jokes in the film. I mean, it's 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 tough film to talk about the gags because they're all visual, so we can describe them. Sure. Um, but there were ju- there were just some things that killed me, like the uh, he invents the TV with legs and the TV literally busts out and runs away from their house. And then you see it later during the riots, breaking the window at the electronics store and releasing all the other TVs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was really good. Oh, there's a, there a part where they're going to unveil the statue of the city right before all the food starts falling. Uh, and then there, there's one guy that's sitting in the splash zone uh, and something happens where water overtakes the whole crowd except for the one guy sitting in the splash zone. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I also like Mr. T's character having a bald spot where like his mohawk usually is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I got my eye on you was really good too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does def- definitely makes me wish that I watched more kids movies as a kid. <laughs> but like I didn't. I watched like the same three over and over. I think. Uh, some of them are, some of them are duds but there are a lot of them like these have moments that's, like this that are just very memorable and funny yeah maybe that's bad i'm, I'm more je- i'm jealous of the movies that kids have now of the the animated fair like this the kids have now that like they didn't have as much when i was a kid oh the, um, there also was the part where i guess like the meatballs or the, whatever's falling from the sky the cheeseburgers are falling from the sky and everybody like looks up like in like an independence day where they're like in awe of what's happening and they're taking their sunglasses <laughs> off and the one guy, instead of taking his sunglasses off, rips his beard off for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> there also is... Now, was there a third Cloud or the Chance movie? No, they... So they made two movies, and then there's a... I don't know if it's still going on, but there's a Cartoon Network show okay. now. So they, they they went the TV route, which is better for certain stories if you don't have one more long-form thing to do. I don't think like people like Bill Hader are really interested in coming back to this kind of fair anymore anyway. He, gotcha. He's too busy being there, the next Jordan Peele. There was uh, a third book called uh, Planet of the Pies. And it was about uh, it raining pies on Mars. So if you think that would be a good adventure. Yeah. They could make a little bit of chunk of change if they wanted to make another one. Put everything on hold. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah, no, look, I I was uh, very pleased and it's been uh, with the movie and it's been a while since we, uh, you know, have had like a solid, I want to even say a home run. I mean, sure, I guess, but, you know, a double or triple. You're all with the sports metaphors today. I guess I am. Yeah. I like it, though. I'm into it. I'm just a big basketball fan. Yeah. Um, no, it was a solid hit, though. And, you know, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, I think since this we, we don't get those on this <laughs> show. Yeah, Grown Ups. Well, Grown Ups 2 did skew your your look at how the rest of the year has gone, I think. But, mm. well, actually, no. I'm, I'm, no, because we, we had some rough comments. We, we had. Yeah. Well, just for this year, I'm saying. Rhythm Section, Doom. Oh. Uh and then, like, good... I mean, we had AV. Oh, yeah, no. I'm AVA thinking also just in hours. terms of comedies, like... Oh, yeah. Because oh. particularly, the thing with... We never, watching... get, we never get good comedies. And yeah, if we do, and we disagree on them. Yeah, and the thing with comedies is, like... here, Something feels particularly awful about watching a bad comedy because you're watching a comedy for enjoyment. And when you're watching a drama, you can at least... Even if you don't enjoy it, you can at least experience the ride that you've been taken on in a way that usually with comedies, you're not taken on that ride. It's just like, I am here to make my face go in the happy position. And then when it doesn't happen, you're like, what did I spend my money on? Mm. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I, Someone had to say it. Yeah. <laughs> All you need to do for me for a comedy is give me like, you basically have different tiers of the amount of laughs I get. Like my rating will be very much linked to like, oh, I laughed like 20 to 25 times. This is probably like a seven. Mm-hmm. Or three and a half out of five stars, or something. Whereas anything above that, you start talking about something else. Actually, yeah, I don't, I don't expect too much from these comedies. You know what I mean? I just expect yeah. the effort on the comedic side. I anything I, else is a bonus. I always have trouble rating them too because I don't, I don't really laugh at comedies out loud. 
I don't laugh at ones I find funny. I also don't laugh at ones I don't find funny. So like when I was watching the Charlie Day movie the other day, I actually had to be like, am I not laughing because it's not funny or am I not laughing because I don't laugh at comedies usually? Um, I guess everybody's different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people, some people are stupider and I have smarter, more eclectic taste. Well, before you insult our entire audience. Come on, grownups. Actually, yeah, that's not, actually, that's not possible because nobody has seen that movie anyway you're not insulting anybody that's seen yeah. <laughs> fool's paradise because nobody has seen fool's paradise um <laughs> there, was, there were two people in the theater when i went uh one was watching it also the other was an old woman who needed somewhere to sleep <laughs> you want to tell everybody what happened with the other shows too with the other you asked me if it was normal that like three shows got canceled the day before. Oh yeah, so I was gonna see it the day it came out and the theater just canceled the showings, I guess, because nobody bought tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought they did it that day because the, the, the sign that's like Fool's Paradise, Theater 7, 540, um, the sign was wrong and it had their next showing like eight o'clock. So I walked into the theater being like, Some, they might, something might not even play. And then there was like, right after the Regal intro and everything, there was just like a good like 10 seconds where they were like setting up the reel or something. I don't know how they do it now. It's digital. That <laughs> it's, it, anymore. There was like 10 <laughs> seconds of just nothing. And I was like, oh God, they forgot. <laughs> uh, well, luckily you had the chance to see the movie. Yeah. Um, anything else on Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs? I think we kind of Nothing at all, man. Big thumbs up for me. Good movie. Really good movie. Andy Samberg in the film, funny as that character. Uh, who could have been one note, but actually kind of gets like a weird redemption, becomes like a person of the chicken for a while, too. Mm -hmm. They take that character in interesting directions, uh, and Andy Samberg kind of sells all of the different things that he needs to. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, look, I give it, I, I two thumbs up for me as well. Maybe maybe I don't feel as strongly, because um, I have maybe less nostalgia for it, but like two Megan Fox thumbs up for me. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Cinema <laughs> Chain Gang Podcast. We are going to go from Cloudy with the Chances Meatballs, Andy Samberg, James Conn in the film as his father. James Conn makes a very small appearance in the movie we're going to be talking about next time, 1941. Directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Robert Zemeckis, and starring some of the big comedy stars, speaking of comedy, of the late 70s and early 80s. So we'll get to that next time. Do you have anything else you want to say to the people? You've said a lot of things today. No, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> For Nick Ricardo, I'm Andrew Auger. The chain continues. Rip Pulley, Rip Ray, Rip Tony. Rip Charlie Day. Rip. <laughs>